we had surveillance cameras on her. And there was one point where she just like, it looked like she was slithering in her bed. Like her body was moving. And at one point she just like dramatically woke up and like looked into the camera and then just like laid back down. Between the present and the past, memories held in the walls and earth, energies and entities that cross the barrier into our dreams and our consciousness. That which has been left behind between the living and the dead. I'm Emily. And I'm Joy. And this is Is The the Residuals. Residuals. Oh, hello. It's Heather. Wait a minute. That's a still photo of Heather Taddy. Is that the real That's Heather That's not Taddy? really her. I think it's her. I don't know. It is really oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> Heather, you were so, you're so put together and I'm still wearing my pajamas and it's <laughs> two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm in bed. I have dress for the job you want. Yeah, no, I'm not yeah, like whatever. Willy Wonka's grandparents where I just live in the bed. I just... <laughs> well shit okay should we start yeah let's start yeah okay, let's do it well. right um right sorry hi i'm emily and i'm joy and this is the, the residuals. residuals we have a guest with us today a very special guest that's right joy you want to tell people who are special guests um is? I, I don't know that I even need to say what this person does. I just say her name and everybody will know. We have the amazing Heather Taddy with us today, who has been a paranormal investigator for a while now. How long has it been? Oh, boy. I mean, professionally, I guess, professionally since 2006. But yeah. personally, I've been investigating since like, I'd say mid to late 90s. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So obviously we need to start from the beginning, Heather. What is it that got you interested in paranormal investigations? There's a couple different things that got me interested. I think most of all, like I didn't grow up in a haunted house or anything. And most of my experiences, it's consider them paranormal, uh, stemmed from playing the Ouija board. I was very into the idea of spiritualism and taking Uh the Ouija board to haunted places and and playing it to see what would happen. Wow. Um, So I kind of got into it like head first right away. (laughs) So (laughs) may as well, but I mean, where's the deep end? Somebody show me the deep end is the Ouija board. Great. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) I don't know. I think spiritualism always really fascinated me and just how it kind of encouraged people to look at life and death differently. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I grew up in the middle of Pennsylvania and I was always very intrigued by the stories. I was also very intrigued by the world of ufology and how everybody kind of had a a story involving one thing or another when it comes to the paranormal. So I always thought like, I want to experience this stuff. I want to know why it happens. And so that's kind of why I started playing with the Ouija board. I wanted to see if it really, you know, it lived up to its reputation. You know, mm-hmm. it, there's such uh, insane mythology around the Ouija board. And to me, it's just like any other form of spirit communication. 
uh, you know, it all, it has to do with your intuition and what you kind of want to get out of it. And, um, so I don't know, I guess it, it just started with growing up in a small, boring town with a lot of like reported haunted areas. I would take my friends on these excursions over the weekends in like junior high and we'd break into haunted places. I'd have a Ouija board and a video camera. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's a big great. Tale. Some kids like, are hanging out in the Burger King parking lot trying to smoke cigarettes yeah. underage and you are breaking and entering with a Ouija board. Hey, yeah, science. There were, there were so many times when the cops would catch us in a cemetery or someplace obviously we weren't supposed to be. And you know, the cops in my town had nothing better to do. And we were just, we were just innocent kids, weird kids having fun. And they would, you know, catch us. And then automatically they would see the Ouija board in my car. And then they would just go into these super long stories about their experiences with them. And then we'd become friends with these cops. It, it just weird things like that happened all the that time. That took a different was... direction from how I thought it was going to be. I yeah. thought it was going to be, they called your parents. They then no. called a priest to come and talk to you. That's so cool. This is fascinating. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to put myself in situations to have an experience. So when I went to college, you know, I found out about this paranormal club that was backed by Penn state university. And I saved this newspaper article about at the time they were putting on this huge academic paranormal conference in the early 2000s that no one else was really doing at the time. And they had the Lutzes that lived in the Amityville house there. They had Lorraine Warren. Um, this was when Jay and Grant's show was super huge. So they were there every year. Um, mm -hmm. Lloyd Arbach, who is like a very prominent parapsychologist was there. Um, Dave Schrader, all these people in, in oh, that wow. community just all coming together at Penn State. And this was put on by a college club. And I was super impressed by this. So I started volunteering. I started going to meetings, helping out with the festival or with the conference. And I had no idea about a television show. I just started training to become a field investigator because again, I wanted to be able to travel with these people and gain, get access to go into haunted locations. So then from there, I realized they were in the process. They had done a pilot for this show two years earlier, but they were in the process of, you know, putting together a docu-series where they actually followed the club around helping families. And it was in the beginning, it was supposed to be very much about college life you know they were supposed okay. to follow us to parties they were supposed to follow my band playing in bars and it was it was supposed to be us hooking up and everything and thank goodness they saw how serious we were about helping these families then it kind right. of turned into something completely different so uh, it was, was supposed to be like a jersey shore with the paranormal twist and instead it turned into what paranormal state actually became yeah. And the guy oh, wow. that created our show, one of the creators actually created Laguna Beach. So it was very much really? supposed to be in that direction. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Gary, um, what was his name? Gary Auerbach. Oh my gosh. He had a production company. Yeah. It's so it's really, you know, a lot of people don't know that the original name of Paranormal State was supposed to be Paranormal You. So it was very much focused oh. on college and more so on our personal lives, trying to help these families. But I'm very glad that it turned out to be the opposite because right. again, at that time, there was no show where we were actually helping the families and focusing more on the client than on, you know, us. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I really liked. I mean, your show was a, was a pioneer in its genre. Like your show was really the first one that 
it was one particular case. It wasn't like sensationalized with reenactments. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. also a solution based. I mean, it it wasn't even a show as as much as it was. You were going, you were doing your research. Like that's something that we enjoy doing on on our show. It's not just talking to people, getting their their stories, and then you know, like, ooh, this is scary. Check it out. It's you got there's there's a reason for everything. There's a reason behind it, and so you got you do your research. You find out what happened there. If there's any kind of history there what it could be so that you can address it in a way that takes this trauma that has happened to the people living there and take the stigma and the shame away from it by believing them and then helping them to find a solution in the understanding of it. And Mm -hmm. that is something that I really loved about your show and that everybody had their own area of expertise and came together to help these people instead of like there are other shows that they go in they investigate they talk about it and then it's like bye see you later have fun good luck right you know yeah and um yeah yeah we were all too we all had different belief systems too which was great we were all able to work together leave our beliefs at the door and just focus on the family and what was going on in their lives. And I think a lot of the times too, with this, you know, field, people don't focus on the psychological aspect of what it's like living in a very haunted house and not knowing what to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, mean, you've got like all the fear that's sitting there every single night. Like, how do you cope with that? Like it, it was always like Emily was saying, you know, you go in, you do the investigation. Did we see something? Did we not? Okay. See you later. Bye. No follow-up. No, like, okay, we're going to check on you. Okay. We're going to give you some tools to help out. Like it was, I remember watching paranormal stages being like, what is this? This is so oh my god I love this so much like I haven't seen this before we used to watch that like religiously in my house it was like it's it's the original ghost therapy right yeah it it really was it's it's wild to think back to I mean first of all to think that it's still like on syndication on different stations and people are now discovering it today Right. You know, I still do events and people come up to me and they're like, yeah, your show got me into paranormal investigating. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, you know, that's so cool. So, you know, and of course at the time doing it, we didn't know it would be this big thing. We didn't know it would turn into this like national TV show. And I'll never forget, you know, after the premiere, them preparing us and being like, you know, your life is going to change, like get ready. But they didn't do a really good job of like fully explaining it. And we oh, no. were just like, what <laughs> no. the heck? Like, so it it was weird to think about. And, you know, of course, back then we had MySpace and Facebook. Oh, God, mm-hmm. MySpace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people weren't as obsessed with social media. So it's it was like different at that time. You know, yeah. I obviously documented a lot of things through my digital camera and through film and stuff. But I feel like now it's like so much easier. People you're constantly documenting your life and it's like different now. Um, yeah. And it's easier to interact with, you know, people who are on TV now or out doing things in the public eye. Like we couldn't do any of that before. And like, I don't know, it's just, I'm sure it's (laughs) double-edged. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be able to connect with so many people and be able to keep in touch with like past clients. But at the same time, it's like, 
it's just weird. It's weird mm -hmm. to have to, I don't know how to describe it. It's definitely an obsession for a lot of people. I just don't, I don't like it in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So when you first started out investigating, what was, was there one particular experience that really, I guess, I don't want to say got you hooked, but really like was, oh my God, this is, this is real. This is someone communicating with me. Honestly, just playing the Ouija board, my cousin and I played the Ouija board a lot and we would try to contact our grandmother who had passed away, who we were very close to. Mm -hmm. And we would get information through the board. Our fingers would hardly be touching the planchette. And we'd get this information through the board where it would spell out certain words and then we would kind of go to our moms and be like, the Ouija board told us this. And our mom's side of the family is very private. So there was a lot of information we didn't know. And we would kind of just tell them, you know, share with them what, what the Ouija board would tell us. And they'd be like, there's no way you could have known this. Oh, my God, oh, man. So there, I think there was one particular experience that kind of, that it just made me want to start playing the board more. Mm -hmm. And you know, we would take it to the weirdest places where um, I remember in one of the towns near where I grew up, we thought that there was a haunted stop sign because the reflector was like off of it. But like where the stop sign was, it was near these railroad tracks. And there was a really bad motorcycle accident where this guy had died, you know, right know. near the stop sign. So we were mm -hmm. like, yeah, we would sit in our car. And as soon as you would go past the stop sign from far away, it would be black. And we would drive around and film all the other stop signs. And then we just realized, like, as we got older, we were like, there probably just wasn't like a reflector on it. It was just like a defective stop sign. <laughs> right, Plus, right. You know, we would go out on these excursions and then go into my parents' basement and play the Ouija board. And it would tell us, you know, about this car crash and about this person. We were like, is this real? But now it's just kind of like, you think about it. And I, I can kind of go both ways with the theories of the Ouija board. Yeah. You know, the automatism theory where it's your subconsciously you're moving the board. It's the idiomotor effect affecting your muscles and you're moving it. But I can mm -hmm. also understand where somebody with a very negative past, someone very vulnerable could play the board in the wrong way and something could get attached. Like I, I can kind of see it both ways. Right. Someone who doesn't necessarily know what they're doing and they open the wrong door. Right. Like we, That's always been my fear. That's what I talk about on the show that I'm like, if you don't know what you're fucking with and you're doing it for, for shits and giggles and just to like you know, fuck about and find out basically, <laughs> then you don't know what you're getting through. I yes. mean, we talk about intention a lot and what you imbue, you know, with your intention. And so Emily and I kind of always joke around that like, I'm not as scared of Ouija boards as she is, but every time oh, it comes up, she's like, oh my God, no, you know. Well, I had, I had bad experiences with it as a kid. Sure. I've had weird experiences too, yeah. but I think you could have the same kinds of bad experiences with anything if you put that intention to it. If you put that sort of energy into it, um, like I'm not religious. I grew up Roman Catholic, but I'm not at all now. Um, I say that I'm an atheist, but I believe in ghosts, which are two different things. And people kind of are like, I don't understand how you can. And I'm like, no, I'm talking about people who used to be here and aren't anymore. Right. I'm not talking about a God. So when I see stuff about possessions or Ouija boards or demons and all of these things in 
the way that I process it is more of a negative intention that came through, regardless of being uh, tied to any specific denomination. Yeah. Do you think, Heather, that that kind of intention goes that way too? Is that something that you believe in? Like you could just sort of imbue an object with a negative intention or a good intention? And yeah, I mean, I think that our thoughts and our beliefs definitely affect the outcome of any kind of investigation. And especially with the Ouija board, like I feel like, you know, you look at its history and it started out as a fun entertainment. It started out as a parlor game, you know, something fun. The history, if you really explore the history of it, it's really fascinating and very confusing as well. But um, yeah. uh, I don't know. I think since The Exorcist came out, then yeah. it kind of gave the board a negative connotation. But it to me, it's just it's just like getting a digital recorder, you know, you and right. using that as a tool. And since this field, we don't have the full answers. You know, there's a risk with everything. You don't know what's going to happen. But I do agree that you're belief, your intention, you know, the way you go about things, your mindset, it, it's going to affect anything you do. And if you're, and if you have unresolved trauma that you're kind of holding on to, I mean, bad things can happen. Sure. Yeah. We, um, we, we did an episode about this, but we, um, we went to stay my Christmas present one year from my husband was uh, a stay at the Hotel Del Coronado in their most haunted room. And so as you do, <laughs> Merry Christmas, um, at, which for me was like, this is amazing. you get me. Um, it's my love language. And so we went and we've never stayed in a haunted location before like we've actually I mean not together we haven't not gone together to, no I like, grew up in a haunted house like we've not stayed purposefully yeah, yeah we haven't purposefully gone to a haunted location we didn't pay being, a like, hotel on purpose it. yeah <laughs> whereas we've lived in haunted locations that yeah. we sure as shit did not seek out for that purpose um <laughs> but in this room like the second you stepped over the threshold it was like the worst seasickness, brain fog, feeling really discombobulated. Mm -hmm. And you would step out into the hallway. You were, you were a-okay, okie dokie. Being in that room, the only way I could describe it, it was like being, it was like being in the rapids, being that boulder in the rapids with just this crazy water going by you. And that water was like the energy and it it was really clear that there had been people who had specifically gone to this room for the same reason. Like we ended up, we brought stuff with us to investigate. We didn't do anything because we realized that we needed to be respectful of this room because so much stuff had been done in it. And it was really clear that people had stayed in this room who did not necessarily know what they were doing or what they were opening up and what they were getting into because it was not it it didn't it was just so busy in there so busy it didn't feel like a person it didn't no. it wasn't something where you know you you feel like someone is standing there like another human sort of presence it wasn't that kind of feeling it was like just confusion and swirling around like we couldn't make a straight 
thought we couldn't like talk to each other. We just like mid sentence would forget what we were saying, right. which is not like us. That's like not that's her. not how I am at all. I have ADD, so I'm just all over the effing place anyway. But <laughs> Joy's like together. Uh, but it, it was interesting, and and we sort of you know this is a, a hotel where they promote the haunting and right. people know about it. So it was mm -hmm. something that we assumed people had stayed in that room on purpose to go do things. They had paranormal investigations with teams there. Um, you know, so Emily is saying the the supposition of if all of this bad energy was brought in, then maybe the room just felt like that mm -hmm. and it wasn't the original haunting that anybody talked about. Yeah, I can definitely identify with that feeling. Uh, I'm I'm a firm believer in... Uh, sort of like the stone tape theory where I think yes. that people can leave an imprint and maybe the stronger the tragedy, uh, the stronger the imprint. And mm -hmm. I don't know what sets it off, but maybe certain people resonate with it more and it, you know, replays itself as kind of mm -hmm. like a loop. Um, I've always, that's always made the most sense to me because when you think about it, one thing that definitely holds true in all the locations I've been to where remodeling has happened or chain renovations, that always stirs something up, always, yep, like for sure. all the time. So I think, I don't know, I'm, I've always been a firm believer in in that, the something along the lines of the stone tape theory. That makes sense. Do you feel, um, do you have any other experiences other than just during investigations and like using equipment or seeing things with your own eyes or getting goosebumps? Do you have any sort of extrasensory things or do you have weird dreams about people or is there any other like empathic stuff going on or is it just um, more from a, like a very scientific, what the heck is going on? Um, I don't really have any kind of extra abilities there. There after doing this for so long, I'm, I'm pretty good at feeling you, you get pretty good at feeling out the vibe of a room. Uh, you just get that feeling. I'm pretty good with picking up on like the active rooms, I guess you could say, but I don't have any dreams or premonitions or anything like that. I've always been super logical and I'm actually pretty skeptical and mm -hmm. I, I've always been like that. And especially after working with families, you realize there's so many natural things that people are deeming to be supernatural when they're mm -hmm. not. Right. I think the range of human experiences goes far beyond what we can kind of realize. Um, especially I've worked with clients time and time again, where they're going through a very stressful time in their life and they're projecting this psychokinetic energy that's causing things to happen. So mm -hmm. that's always really fascinating to me, the human mind and but yeah, when you work with clients for long enough, you realize there's just a lot of things that get overlooked. And a lot of times people want things to be paranormal and they're mm. not. So yes. um, like they couldn't yeah. possibly be acting this way of their own accord. It must be something that's influencing them because this just isn't how they act. Like, yeah, things right. that are too difficult emotionally to deal with. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times in life, I feel like you know, uh, kind of explaining things or blaming things on a ghost or a haunting is easier than people trying to fix their own personal problems. Right. For sure. Oh, we must be cursed because all of these <laughs> bad things just keep happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's just bad things happen. And sometimes it's like, I don't know, you keep doing the same thing, change what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you'll get a different outcome. Yeah. <laughs> 
Is it hard when you're working with families like that and having to break it to them that this is not anything paranormal? Is is that like how is that taken? Um, well, on Paranormal State, I kind of played a bunch of different roles on the team. And Ryan was always usually the one that had to really, you know, come to the conclusion and tell the client what we all think. So I never kind of really had to do that. It wasn't until me and Katrina had started Atherton Paranormal where we, we took on uh, remote cases and mm-hmm. just, you know, remotely we we would talk to people that would contact us. And sometimes, yeah, I think people are just, they get stuck in their ways. And to them, they had the experience no matter what you tell them, it's paranormal to them and right. it's supernatural to them. So sometimes you just kind of can't get through to certain people with that. Yeah. Cause like I said, I think people are very fascinated by the mysterious and you know, they want things to, they want things to be paranormal. And sometimes when you give them a natural explanation, they either get mad at you. They don't believe you. Like for instance, we did this one case on paranormal state at a haunted hotel and right at the time when the client what we had her confront what was there and just say like, Hey, this is my space. You cannot harm my guests. You can't harm me. Right after she said that the power in the whole building went out. So I went down the block to make sure, you know, it wasn't like this whole little town, the power didn't go out and it did. And it was just the, the timing of everything. And we told her that, Oh man. And she got mad and she's like, no, like this is what happened. So there you get into that when working with clients. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, just so you know where I'm coming from, I tend to be more logical. I want an explanation for everything. Um, when we talk about experiences we've had on the show, I'm like, this is what happened. If somebody has a better fucking explanation, please tell me. But right. like, I can't explain this. I can't explain these like crazy dream things that have happened to me with like ancestors who passed away and then come back with like really important information and then seemingly had something to do later. But like, if you can explain why that door keeps slamming right. <laughs> in the middle of the night, like I want the answers. Um, I think it was, was one of the travel, the dead, I think it was Penhurst when mm-hmm. you and Katrina and Zach, I think his name mm-hmm. is that yeah. you guys were going over all the like equipment you had and like all the stuff. And it was just a really nice, like scene of investigators having a, a very blunt conversation about like, this is what this will pick up. And this is what this will pick up. And sometimes people are like, why haven't you caught a picture of a ghost? And right. I think Katrina's like, cause maybe we don't have the right equipment. Like, I don't know. Um, and it was just, it was a cool conversation to hear like, yeah, we're just trying to figure out the science of this. Like we don't know we're learning. Yeah. Right. I think that people forget that you know, there's no piece of equipment that can prove or disprove that a ghost exists. I think people forget that. And I think a lot of times people, you know, they're using this equipment they see on TV shows, but they're not using it in the right way. I think there's Mm -hmm. a huge misrepresentation with that where, um, I don't know, it's important to me if you're using equipment, you you should know how it works. You know, you should know what you're using it for. So I think we've been to Penhurst a bunch and we know you know, you know, the natural sounds after you go to a place for so long and have different experiences, you can kind of pinpoint what's natural and what's not. And that was a really good place to test out equipment because Katrina's right. We don't know if this is 
we're using the right equipment. We don't know if apparitions are an optical thing we can even catch on camera. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we're projecting it from our mind and you can't catch it on film. You know, we don't mm-hmm. know, but right. that's the beauty of it. You know, we can test different things and try to figure out patterns. And I, yeah, Penhurst was the perfect place uh, to do that. With Penhurst, because like you were talking about stone tape theory, do you, what was your take on Penhurst being like residual haunting activities because of stone tape theory with that tape that plays in a loop um, as opposed to, I guess, intellectual haunting with actual like spirits, I guess, of, of previous people there um, being still being around? When you think about the history of like what the patients went through living there, so yeah. much ne- abuse, neglect, mm-hmm. people with mental disabilities, I think that that stuff, you know, even if no one died there, I mean, people have died there, but like just in general, like people experiencing grief or trauma in a location, maybe that sticks around. Yeah. And Penhurst is the, I don't know, I just, I just think about the past of that place. And the intensity of the activity, like you could be standing there alone and it's huge there, standing there alone in the Mayflower building and you hear shuffling coming towards you. There's no animals, nothing. I mean, that's happened to me when I went there for portals to hell, you know, I was only needed for the last half of the episode. So I was like, well, you guys are way over here. I'm going to go in this building by myself, take my recorder and just kind of walk around. And I did that. And I've heard this a bunch before, but I've never heard it this close until that day where I just, I hear, it sounds like someone's shuffling their feet on the pavement towards you. It's the craziest thing. I mean, there's nothing natural there moving that could have explained that. Oh my God. And, you know, we caught that when I went back with Katrina and Zach, we caught it as if it was like right near the tripod where we had a camera set up where we were on the other end of the building. So I mean, I don't know if it's, you know, the neglect and abuse, like those feelings are kind of caught there, or if there are intelligent entities or whatever you want to call them that are still sticking around there. I don't know. It's just a mixture of both things, you know, a little of column A and a little of column B. Yeah. (laughs) I can't imagine being in a place at nighttime in the dark and with a you know a little bit of ambient light and what have you and hearing something shuffle towards you that you cannot see at first it's a little bit terrifying but to me when something like that happens it's so fascinating that I'm just like I cannot believe that just happened I have no right. natural explanation you're very I just want to say you're very brave <laughs> <laughs> I've always I just been need- like this that's awesome like I think in the moment I get that way a lot, but when I hear other people tell me stories about stuff, I'm instantly like, nope, that's terrifying. I would have run away and set it on fire and blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, then, then then I tell people stories and they're like, how the hell did you live like that? I'm like, I don't know. That's just I what think I had to do. With the supernatural, I think that there's always just been this a fear, fear attached to it. And for me, my fascination just takes over because I don't want to run away when I have an experience. I want to study it and figure out, you know, the answers. So I think Mm -hmm. for me, it's just my fascination takes over. I'm like, nothing can hurt me. You know, I'm, you know, of course that is different wherever you go, but I've always just kind of been in that mindset where I'm just so 
fascinated by it that I want things to happen. And when they do, sure, it's terrifying because you never know what the heck's going to happen. And there's always a fear involved. But to me, it's just more fascinating. What would be one of, other than the shuffling towards you, like what would be, you know, in like the top three most fascinating paranormal experiences you've had? Mm. If you have to come back to it, it's fine. I know I'm like <laughs> instantly access being, this memory. <laughs> yeah, just being in a location and hearing footsteps above you when you're locked in a house and you're only there with one other person. Um, that's always intense because you know, you when something like that happens, of course, the first thing that I do is I try to look for any kind of natural explanation, mm -hmm. any kind of wind, any kind of just anything. And I don't know when, when you hear footsteps to where it sounds like someone broke into a house and they're like, it sounds like a human mm -hmm. that that's always scary to me. Um, but other than yeah. that, I'm trying to think, <laughs> I mean, cause to me, you know the best kind of evidence is when you're catching a voice, when you know that it's nothing in a room, when right. you can hear a distinct intelligent response to a direct question that relates to the history. To me, that's proof that, that there's another side. I, I don't know how else to debunk that, but especially when through the recording, you can hear it like it's like a different layer, like it's coming through in a different way um, than our normal voice would come through. That's always been the number one evidence to me. And I think that that's the best thing to use on investigation is just like a digital or analog recorder. Because to me, that's mm -hmm. when you get a voice, it's like, okay, how do you explain that? Well, that yeah, was going to be my photography, next question. You know, you can sort of try to debunk it with like, oh, it was a this, right. it was a that, whatever. Yeah. Go ahead. My, sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. My, I mean, that was going to be my next question. Like equipment has, is so much different today. Like now there's the Estes method, right? And there's the, the, the ghost box and it's, you know, gone from the digital recorder or the cassette tape to this stuff. Like it's, and you know, like you got the laser grids and all of that. What, when it comes to the most effective way to, to do investigating, you know, what, what is, is your, you know, take on all of that? Um, I think that now I think a lot of people, they let the equipment dictate their investigation. And I think your best tool on a, an investigation is yourself, your mm -hmm. observations, your intuition, your feelings. Um, you know, I'm a big fan. Anytime I go to any haunted location, I like to sit somewhere alone and just take it in, take in the natural sounds, just take notes of anything I observe that's off or anything that could possibly be something natural. I like to do that. And I feel like a lot of times people are just so focused on equipment. They're so focused on their cell phones, which is so insane to me. Like, cause when I first started doing this, obviously people didn't use cell phones. So it's like, it's weird to me that people are live streaming their investigations. And it's right. weird to me that people are using apps through their phone. Like I've used my voice recorder, like the voice app through my phone, but that's pretty much it. Like, I feel like people don't realize that their cell phone is emitting energy, even, even when it's in airplane mode. And I think I see it time and time again, even if people have their cell phones silence, when they get a message or something coming through or a call, it affects the equipment and people don't think about that. And they're like, 
they automatically attribute to being a ghost when it's not. So for me, that's one thing that's like so different for me now, because like after Paranormal State, you know, I left after season four, I kind of took a break from everything. And then I came back into investigating and doing more events. And all of a sudden the cell phones were such an important deal, you know, when investigating. And that was just like odd to me because people were focusing on it so much, hmm. not realizing that can, it can affect your investigation. But is it because they're not old enough to remember when you used to get a text message, the little noise would happen to any speaker that like, is it just a younger yeah. like generation? I mean, I'm like saying it sort of like tongue in cheek, but like, seriously, yeah. I remember that noise coming through whatever speaker was in the room. I was like, oh, I'm about to get a text message. I'm Yeah, psychic. and I have. So this is something <laughs> I use on investigations. It's a cassette, ah, recorder, right? Yeah. So I use this. I cannot use it if someone has their cell phone on because oh. you'll get like a sound on the tape, like it interferes with the magnetic tape. Um. And I remember trying to do an investigation with people I kind of wasn't used to investigating with and they just like couldn't keep their cell phones off. So I couldn't <sighs> even use this. And I was so upset. Oh. <laughs> I love seeing you know, a tape recorder. <laughs> see, now that makes me happy because my my husband just brought home an old school cassette tape player. And so now I know, like, now you've told us that, I mean, obviously I don't want to investigate in my own home because I don't, I don't want to fuck with that. I don't want to know. Um, but <laughs> I can take it with us when we go places, Joy. So now oh, I have sure. the boom You box. just have to make sure you get an unused tape because remember all of the debunking we talked about, like old layers can come through and. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'll never forget when I first started investigating my first piece of equipment, I stole my brother's like dictaphone. He had a, a, uh, micro cassette Panasonic recorder yeah. and I used that and I always got really great EVPs. I don't know what the heck happened to the tapes, but it broke like towards the end of paranormal state. And now I just kind of use a digital recorder, but I, I always liked using analog, you know, that's what obviously Ed and Lorraine used. And that's kind of like PRS was very modeled after kind of the way that they had conducted their investigations yeah so that brings me to Lorraine Warren oh Lorraine we love we love Lorraine we <laughs> we feel like Lorraine was like Lorraine is like my favorite grandma, grandma. <laughs> yeah totally how what was it like learning I mean obviously she's lovely and so just being around her just I mean obviously just from a, a outsider's viewing perspective it seemed that she was just a lovely person, but she has such a wealth of knowledge and such a, a a really impressive background in this going back decades. You know, what was it like learning from her and seeing her basically in action, um, you know, when you were doing these investigations? It was amazing. Uh, she was such an incredible storyteller. And I'll never forget the first time I saw her lecture was a year before I joined PRS. And I just remember being blown away by obviously her wealth of knowledge and just the fact that her and Ed dedicated their lives to helping people. And mm -hmm. they worked with all religions. You know, they were very strong with the Catholic background, of course, and a lot of people don't like them for that, but they worked with every religion. Um, just the fact that they, you know, they would take calls at like 3 a.m., get in their car and go to someone's house to help mm -hmm. them, you know. Uh, it was amazing to just to like hear her talking about Amityville and producers like trying to get her to film a scene and she's just talking. She could talk and talk and talk and she's just that. telling us all these things like jaw dropping stories. She's so sweet. 
she was just, it was amazing. And I'll never forget my favorite part working with her was just seeing her come to a location the first time, not know any history about it. And we would be watching her on surveillance and, you know, listening to her walkthroughs and she could just walk into a room and be like, this is where he hung himself. She, oh my God. Just, just amazing. Like mm -hmm. she was so good at working with people and making them feel comfortable, mm -hmm. making them feel like they weren't crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was really incredible. Like I never thought within a year of seeing her lecture, I'd be traveling, you know, in a minivan and driving to all these different cases with her. It was, it's just insane. And I thinking back, you know, it seemed it got to a point where it was just normal. And now I think about it and I'm like, wow, that was really such a unique experience. And I wish right. I would have documented my time with her more. I just wish I would have filmed every conversation basically. Sure. But, you know, I was obviously living in the moment, which was great. But um, yeah, I'll never forget. We would go to Warrenology, which was the, her event she would put on in uh, Connecticut. And mm -hmm. I'll never forget premiering an episode of paranormal state with her. It was maybe like her first or second episode with us. And I'll never forget, like they showed me on screen and she comes up behind me and she touches my shoulder and she whispers oh to me, God. she's like, she's like, there you are, honey. Aww. And my mind, I'm just like, how is this happening to me? Like growing Aww. up reading about Lorraine Warren and traveling with her, like, it's just, it's insane. And sometimes if I think about it too much, it's just like, Ooh, it's like, it's like, it's a lot. It's so sweet. Katrina told us about losing her in an airport and how she was like, oh my God, I've lost Lorraine Warren. I have, I, 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 this is bad. If you find yourself listening to our show and thinking, oh, I have a story that I should send in. Then go to our website, theresidualspodcast.com, and send us a message. We love bringing you all things paranormal, but we would like to do more. And this is where you come in. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast. After that, leave us a glowing review, give us a five-star rating, and share us on your social media. We are so grateful for your support. Now, back to the show. I have a question. Yeah. The lecture that you saw, um, I saw the Warrens when I was in college and I think it was 1998. So I don't know if you were on that same leg of it or if this was later. No, I I saw that. Sorry. I to interrupt. I, I saw her in like 2003, 2004. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Ed, Ed had, Ed was sick at that time and he, he wasn't on the lecture with her. Okay. Mm -hmm. I ask specifically because one of the cases they talked about was a possession and exorcism of this man who they had a video of him. And I don't think I've found anyone else who has seen this video, <laughs> but like his face do you have his face I like have changes? The book it's based on. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god, seriously. <laughs> I know that I'm not crazy. I know I was not the only person in the Yukon like auditorium that day. Um, let me get the book. It's right over here. Okay. okay. <laughs> Validation. Yes. <laughs> so it's based on 
a book called, uh, the book is called Satan's Harvest. Ooh. And I know about this because through my training class with PRS, we, well, they actually showed us that. Oh, really? Okay. So yeah. we've seen the, like where his face gets redder and his nose changes and he starts speaking in Latin and he had like a fifth grade education. And oh my God, thank you, Heather, because yeah. I have talked about this on the show before and no one ever knows what I'm talking about. I think Maurice was his name. Um, this is oh a really God. good book. Maurice Ther- Theralt. Yes. And he was in that video, he's wearing a white shirt and I'll never forget this. You can see him drooling, and when he drools, it drops down, and, and it, it turns to blood when it hits his shirt. Oh, my God. Yeah. I just have such a, like, such a, like, memory of sitting there in that huge auditorium in Yukon, and, like, the video is up, and you see the shape of this man's nose change. The color of his skin changes. It is wild. And I have not been able to find it anywhere online. Oh, I feel... You should be able to find it. I feel like I watched it later on in life. I definitely found it on YouTube. Um, I didn't have the book name or his name. I was just like, exorcism, Warren's face changed. Google, help me. <laughs> yeah, Satan's Harvest. I forget where it took place. Maybe it was Connecticut. I don't remember. But um, Oh, man. I grew up in Connecticut. So oh, Connecticut, did you? yeah, Connecticut. Massachusetts. Oh, same thing. Just, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you should definitely read this book. I mean, I'm going to check out that book. Thank you so much. The incredible yeah. validation I feel right now. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a really good book. Yeah, I saw them when I was 19, I think, 19 or 20. That's really cool. You got to see Ed. I never got to see him. Right? It it was, I mean, I had watched them for years on TV and my sister and I like just ate up anything that was like paranormal or weird or whatever. You know, I always wanted like um, the time life, like mysteries of the unknown things and all of that stuff. And, and getting a chance to see them was really just, I don't know, mind blowing. I wish I'd had that. My, my only thing with the Warrens is I used to travel a lot for work. And I would always bring my copy of the demonologist with me because I would break it out while we were still on the tarmac. And then I knew the person sitting next to me would not try to engage in conversation. They would just be like, I'm I'm leaving her alone. And then I wouldn't have to worry about some stranger trying to talk to me. That's so funny you mentioned that because one of my friends, I used to carry that book everywhere too. And one of my friends would always joke, like, every time I see you, you have a copy of The Demonologist. And I was like, you know, because I was always doing research and stuff, but I've done that too. There's been so many books I'm reading on a plane where I like put a cover over it. So people aren't like, you're reading about Satanism. You're reading about like, I've been in that situation before. And I love The Demonologist book. It's one of my favorite books. Same. I've read it numerous times Mm -hmm. and it's still, it doesn't matter how many times I've read it. It's still fascinating. And there are things each time that when I'm reading it, it's like, oh, I missed that part before, you know? Yeah. And and I love the full story of Annabelle too. I like reading about that chapter. Um, So this is a book you guys should read. Have you ever read The Demon on Brownsville Road? Oh, no. Okay. So this is, I, I met the I met the um, man that this happened to because they live in Pittsburgh. Uh, it's a really intense story. Um, I'm not going to say tell you anything about it. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty quick read, 
but it's called The Demon on Brownsville Road. And for a long time, they were trying to make it in a mo into a movie. Um, but it's just a fascinating story with the history of the house. And now he turned it into a bed and breakfast. So you can actually stay there. But oh, cool. Um, oh my it God. really affected their family. And if you like The Demonologist, you, you guys would like this book. Okay, mm. good to know. So now yeah. if I travel again, I can... I maybe have that too. It's in my notes. Don't worry. I'll give you a copy of my notes when we're done. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm your court stenographer. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Thank you. I, I love that you write things down because I'm just I can't like, not. okay, uh -huh, that's great. And then I it's need, gone. I need to, I'm visual. I need, you know, artists. I'm the same way. I have notebooks and notebooks full of weird stuff that I just document my life with. It helps me like remember it better. I'll be like, oh, right. I wrote it in like the lower right-hand quadrant of the page. Mm -hmm. What was it? I'm the same way. Photographic memory. <laughs> yeah. I used to do that in school. I'd like rewrite my notes three times before a test. I'd be like, yeah, okay, I, I got thing. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. I so didn't funny. realize that that's how I retained information until my last year of university. And up until that point, I was on academic probation and I was in like my fifth year after like also including three years of summer school and I realized if I put in earplugs and then did the note card thing I then got straight A's and then I made huh. Dean's List and honor roll and I went from like getting suspended from school for grades to suddenly I was getting A's and smart you're smart you weren't suddenly smart you were always smart no, I just sound smart because of how I speak. It's the That's, accent. Yeah, it's, it's true. the accent. They were like, when she oh, has her glasses smart. on, she looks much smarter. I do. I, when I've bathed <laughs> and I'm not wearing my pajamas uh, or or feeding a very hungry baby. Mm, talk yes. about like things imprinting. Um, I've been tattooing uh, for like over 20 years. And most of the time it's been custom stuff. So I would stay at the shop really late. Sometimes the shops were haunted, but that's another story. Uh, and I would stay late at night by myself and I'd put on like documentaries or something to listen to or, or watch half watch while I drew stuff. And I realized one day that I would be doing the tattoo, like sometimes, you know, a week or however many weeks later. And I would start thinking about the show that I watched because it was like some memory of like retracing the same thing that I've drawn. My brain would like bring it up like, oh yeah, you were listening to this documentary or you were talking about, you were listening to this song or whatever. So it's interesting how your brain records things. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. So I know that in our email to you, one of the things we asked about was the I am six episodes yeah, where they ended up going back. So I know that you were there on the original one, like doing the research and stuff with it, with the first one, like with the laundry shoot. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> what, when, when, with that investigation, because I know like, obviously there was, there was a revisit because of the house in the next state that kind of was connected by a river where they, which that also that haunting with the woman who walked into the river was the fuck. Um, but also could be, you know, there's two, there's two sides to it is, was it actually a, a possession or something or was it a mental health crisis? But the I am six, when you first went into that situation, like what, what was your, like, how was that? Uh, 
It was kind of scary for me because I remember PRS had done like two demonic oppression cases before that. And I was obviously Katrina and I were still in training. So they were like, well, you know, you guys are going to stay back. You're not going to come onto this case because it might get really serious. So this was the first case where I was present at the location. And, you know, they were like, you're so positive. We need someone like that for this case. Cause it's going to be, a, it's going to be a downer. So I was, I was happy to do it to help the family. But what's funny is I have the original case notes. So we would do oh, man. PRS Warren interview questionnaire. I save everything. I love you. <laughs> I did like the preliminary interviews for this and you can see, I mean, how many questions we asked. This is oh, like a really good packet. But it's pretty in-depth. And I remember the activity started when Laura started doing EVP sessions on her own. Mm -hmm. And then she played the Ouija board. I do think that there was some mental um, illness involved too. Mm -hmm. But I mean, her experiences were pretty intense. Like you were saying about the laundry chute. This girl was super skinny. And the fact I couldn't even get like my leg like my full leg into this laundry chute. We tried just to see, and she got like sucked down into this laundry chute. So I don't know, but I do remember the floor in her closet in German. It had this writing and I think mm -hmm. it was there when she went into the house and I remember translating it and it translated to cry, cry my house in German. Oh my God. So maybe one of the previous owners that lived there, you know, they had, they needed to cleanse the house somehow or something bad had happened that they wrote that onto the floor. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it was intense. It was especially intense when she got scratched. I was in the next room when that happened and I saw the aftermath and everything. And there was no way she could have physically scratched herself. There was nothing she could have scratched herself with in the bathroom where she was out when this happened. Um, yeah, those are always the things I want to know where it's just like, you're sure like this could, could they have like reached up and scratched themselves? Could they be like fibbing a little bit because they don't want to get into like whatever the situation, I'm always from that like skeptical corner going, I don't know if I believe that, like. Totally. But, yeah. And I feel like, I don't know. I think that there, I just think she had, she did have a lot of, of other issues that I think made her vulnerable to this. Mm -hmm. But the weirdest thing is like during, so first of all, I think the network kind of advertised it as we were doing an exorcism when it really wasn't. It was like a mild deliverance, which was like a milder form of, a, of an exorcism. And I'll never forget me and Katrina, you know, they wanted a, as little amount of people, including production there when they were doing this. And I remember Ryan was like, you and Katrina go back to the hotel. And as we were leaving, probably like 10, 15 minutes into our trip, the weather went from being sunny and nice. It got so dark and it started to storm and oh got God. super windy. And I remember texting Sergi and being like, did you guys start yet? And he's like, yeah, we just started. So that kind of correlated, which freaked me out. But I remember there was a point where Ryan had picked her up. And it felt like she weighed a ton. Like there was something pushing her down. I remember that from that. the bed. He picked her up from the bed. Mm -hmm. And I'll also never forget, uh, we had surveillance cameras on her. And there was one point where she just like, it looked like she was slithering in her bed. 
like her body was moving. And at one point she just like dramatically woke up and like looked into the camera and then just like laid back down. Oh my God. It was crazy. And, And after we did that, you know, they went back. I didn't go back the second time, but I'll never forget. We would be filming other cases and Laura would be calling Ryan constantly with problems. So I lost touch with them. Unfortunately, like I was connected with them through Facebook and my account got hacked. And I remember following up with her years ago, but I do not, I don't remember if she was still having problems, but yeah, that, that was a weird one. That's one I kind of don't really think about a whole lot. Um, Cause it was intense. Like you can feel there's like a certain different energy with a haunting like that. It feels a lot more intense and it, I don't know. It's just a, a situation. I don't really want to be in a situation. Yeah. Like that. I don't that blame you. seems like it's malicious and, you know, intentional. And there's, there's a big difference between like, I'm just a cheeky little ghost. That's going to knock your stuffed animals off your bed. And then, you know, this sort of thing. And she reacted to holy water too. Which seemed like it, right. it didn't seem like it was a natural react. It seemed like something was controlling her. So, what kind of reaction did she have? Um, I don't remember. I, I think really at remember. the end of the episode, it said that in the follow up, like after you'd left, things seemed okay for a while, and then it said something about she'd had a bad reaction to holy water and gone to the hospital but it was like very vague (laughs) they didn't say like what kind of hospital or what kind of reaction so i don't know if it was like a psychiatric situation in the hospital or if she'd been like burned or something physical what i can remember i remember her reacting when when they were doing the deliverance um and I think they show it in the episode, but I, I wasn't there when she reacted to it, but I just remember hearing about it. Um, yeah, that's a weird one. I would love to follow up and see what's happening now. Prior to us, you know, prior to our chat today, I, I rewatched um, those episodes and I started thinking, you know, I started wondering where Laura is. And so I started Googling, nothing came up, just the episodes. But one of the things that that you just said that I had been thinking about, and actually Joy and I had discussed earlier before, you know, we started the recording today, it felt almost like she had I don't want to despair I don't want to disparage. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It felt almost like she had an unhealthy not obsession, but relate with the Ryan, like an unhealthy fascination with Ryan, which now you're talking about her calling him all the time. That makes sense. So it's almost like, was she doing things in the in between so that you guys would come back? So that when you went there and you did the original work with her, to calm things down and to get rid of it, that then she wanted to continue that relationship and to have him come back. And so she continued, she went back to doing the stuff that she was doing before that brought this stuff in to have him return to the house and be around her. 
That's interesting. You said that because she definitely had a crush on Ryan. And I don't mm-hmm. know if that came across in the episode, but it was very clear when you were there. To me, it did, at least. She was in love with Ryan. Um, she also had, I do think that maybe she she did get something attached to her. I I believe that she did just because of the intensity of the activity and, you right. know, getting the perception from the family. But she had, she had like a terminal illness. And I can't remember what it was called. I don't know if we said that in the episode. Um, I don't think it was outright, but there were sort of inklings of like, there is some health issue happening here. I want to say it was like morphins or something, something with an M. Huh. Um, That's what I can remember. But yeah, it, it was... It was bizarre. And like I said, it was it was a weird experience for me because being on a case like that, it's just so much different. And this one really affected their whole entire family in a very negative way. And um yeah, it was it was an experience for sure. I mean, it's just crazy though, because literally I have her address on here if she still lives there, which I'm assuming she does. I should just go there, call her and be like, hey. I would love to follow up just to see. I'm just so curious. Alternatively to her having an actual crush and sort of doing things on purpose to get you guys to come back or whatever, even if it wasn't Ryan based, even if it was just attention based, could it have been the entity causing her to reach out again because the entity wanted to get Ryan or whomever back? Because I think there was something in the episode about it, the demon or whatever entity trying to follow them and trying to get them back um, subsequent times. I don't know if you remember anything about that. Yeah, I mean, that could very well be, that could very well be the case. You know, they say once you do a serious case like this, you're kind of known. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, Ryan had done a couple before this, so that could be the case because this was connected to another case, I remember. Yeah, like the, the, I mean, not to make it sound flippant at all, but like the underground demon network like knows you, like they, they know who you are at that point. I've, I've heard that before too. I think I might've heard Katrina talk about that one time as well. Um, and I don't know, maybe it was on, um paranormal lockdown or something maybe yeah i can't remember which show um incidentally not mm-hmm. ghost related um my friend scott sent you a pedal oh half ghost related my friend scott oh. sent you a pedal because he makes pedals yeah. and he made us rem pods <laughs> oh my god really yeah <laughs> oh he seems really cool yeah he contacted me a while ago. And then one day he was like, Hey, I'd love to send you this pedal. I'm like, yes, make sure it's sludgy. Yes, please send it to me. I'll make a video and everything. Yeah. He seems like a super cool dude. Scott's really great. Like I've known him, I don't know, since like 2004, 2005, like we've known each other a long time. Um, and like, he's sent me pedals. I did artwork for one of his pedals. Like, and I was like, oh, that's so cool that you sent something to Heather. Like, we're going to interview her. I'll make sure I say hi. So hi from yeah. Scott. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We've had some good conversations about music. Do you, um, do you, are you familiar? You live in Long Beach. Are you familiar with the Moxie roller skates? Oh, yeah. I have some. 
<laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I um, maybe Kat had told me that you roller skated or something, but yeah, I love, uh, I have a pair of Moxies. I love them. Yeah, I have an orange pair to go with my orange car and my orange microphone and uh, all the other orange nonsense in my life. <laughs> nice. I, I got to meet, um, she goes by Estrogen. Her name's Michelle. I got to meet her. Oh, yeah. She came to Pittsburgh because there was a bar here that used to do roller skating nights in this like tiny bar. It was a blast. They It was like every last Saturday of the month. And I went to them for years and years and years. And one year she came and she was just incredible. She was so cool. Um, I loved skating with her. She was so such a fun person to be around. She seems really cool. She seems really genuine and like she does stunts and like all this other stuff. Like she's super cool. And then um, do you know Pigeon? She's I got follow a skate her. Shop. Yeah, I follow her on Instagram, I think. She's super cool. Like I met her through a friend of a friend and like Enzo and her daughter hung out at a playground like a few weeks ago. And like Pigeon's just real down to earth and she's got um, a skate rink here. So we go once in a while over that way. That's cool. There's a lot of times I wish I lived in California. I could just skate all the time. It seems like there's such a community of skaters there. Yeah, that's a good perk. So I did have one more question for you. And like you've been investigating for decades now. Is there one particular investigation that stands out to you as just being like, I don't know, is there one particular investigation that you have done that has really stuck with you all of these years later? Yes, we investigated a church in Kansas. The episode was called Church of the Damned and it was a case, I did all the casework for and I strongly believe that these people were having an intense experience and it was a church undergoing renovations and three caretakers were living in this church. And I had to interview the former owners. I had to interview all the caretakers and, and talk about their experiences. And I pitched it to Ryan because we would we would take on cases and then we'd pitch them and then pitch them to production. And I remember Ryan being like not wanting to do the case. And then something changed. I was like, this is a church. Like, this is so different. And I really believe that these experiences are genuine. I think we should check it out. Then we ended up doing it. And I I think it was one of our most memorable episodes, specifically because during dead time, I remember being in the basement near um, the boiler room of this church. And this was an area where a lot of people had had experiences and the caretakers, they had to stop renovations because the activity was so bad. They wouldn't even step foot in the basement. Oh my God. And we were down there and we both had cameras and there were two cameras on us. And we were in this little hallway and I remember filming these cupboards and Ryan is standing in the doorway of like an old shower, just standing there. This is in the middle of winter. It was freezing. There was no heat in this place. And I'll never forget this. This is the most intense thing I've ever seen, but it looked like someone grabbed Ryan by his jacket and pulled him back to where he fell onto his back on the floor. Holy shit. Oh my God. No explanation for that. There's no way he could have done that. I saw it with my eyes. He caught it on his camera view. My camera kind of wasn't on him entirely, but it caught some of it. But it was like the most intense thing I had ever seen. No explanation. He was in such shock. He like wouldn't talk to anybody after it happened. Um, You can hear my reaction in the episode. I'm like, did something push you? Like what, what happened? And that was probably the most intense thing I ever saw to where I'm like, there has to be some kind of negative, negative force that had caused this. Um, 
so yeah, that's, that's when I think back, that's one of the ones that six, I can still remember it clear as day. Oh my God. Scary. I need to rewatch that. Yeah. It's called church of the damned church of the damned. I I watched one of the episodes and I was like, it's called sex dungeon, haunted sex dungeon. And I was like, this is, that is like another memorable one. (laughs) Yeah. One hell of a kink, man. Like I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum go for it. If you want to like Don't summon some special things to help out, <laughs> it's all you. What's really odd about that case is so there was like a lawyer that owned the property and he rented out to these people that turned it into a sex club. And then they just like left for some unknown reason. They just like split, but they left all of this paraphernalia there. And the guy kept it there for a very long time. And I'll never forget the very last scene of the episode He's taking that big cross out, you know, the, the cross that has the straps on it. He's yeah, like yeah. out to the trash and we're filming. <laughs> that's one hell that's one hell of a curb find. That's something that <laughs> someone's gonna put on one of those buy nothing groups. It's on yep. next door right They're now. They're gonna like let it simmer alert. on the buy nothing group. Gonna <laughs> let it yeah. simmer. <laughs> yeah, oh my, my, my work has taken me to many uh many interesting locations, and that's definitely yes. one that tops my list. Listen, sex dungeon, it. haunted sex dungeon. You know, that sounds amazing. Um, that might be the name of the episode. Who knows? That could be haunted sex. Du- <laughs> well, no, it's a name of one of their episodes. So it's we ca- can't It's literally it. called haunted sex dungeon. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's why I put it on. I'm like, this is amazing. I got to check yeah. this out. Um, one of the things you said earlier, and you just touched on it with the church. Mm-hmm. It, it's the construction. It's when people start to alter a building when people go in and they start to take down walls they start to redo a bathroom they start to to you know obviously improve it and bring it up to date and what have you but it sparks something what what are your thoughts on that did you find that have you or have you found that that is one of the main triggers for for activity to suddenly kick off in a location Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've dealt with cases where people have had experiences like little ones. And then once they start renovation, they notice a peak in activity. That's one consistency that I've seen throughout a lot of different locations. And that's, that kind of leads me to believe that there's some sort of possible like imprint with the location. And and maybe when we do uh, pass on, you know, why wouldn't we leave a place that we're used to? Why, why wouldn't, why wouldn't we like if we're really attached to a location where we lived and had a lot of good memories, you know, it would make sense to kind of stick around to me. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking, we just had an episode that we did about the Stanley hotel and, you know, the amount of hauntings that are reported there, whether it be things that are brought in from people, you know, that are attached to them or they're brought in because of people doing their own investigations there that then bring something else in but you know one of our one of our questions was you know it it was a place where people came to recuperate it was a place originally intended for people as a health retreat so people had happy times there they have happy memories there so would it be that it's like it was such a happy place for them that it's like they came back um after death like yeah why wouldn't you, know, you want to go to your vacation home right yeah but like do you do you feel like that might be a thing with some of them like if if somewhere was like a significant spot in someone's life even though they didn't pass away there that they would maybe come back 
Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. Okay, good. Because that's <laughs> what I had been thinking. And I appreciate you <laughs> confirming that thought. We all agree. Um, Thank you so much. I mean, I could sit here and make you talk to me for a long time, but I won't. Um, I will ask you if you'd like to come back again sometime so we can chat some more. Yes. I had a lovely time talking with you ladies. I'd love to. Oh my God. Thank Likewise. You so much. I'd love to talk um, about music and roller skating and maybe some chip coffee. Yes. Um, God, yeah, <laughs> no, we really wanted to talk to you about chip. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely come back. That'd be fun. Cool. We would really like to be his friend. I'll read I, those books too. Yes. I'm going to find that video of that exorcism because oh, please do. I haven't yeah. seen it since I was like 20. And that's a, a really long time ago. If I find it, I can send you the link. I forget what I had searched, but the book is called Satan's Harvest. Um, I okay. think you'll be able to find I, it. it. Yeah, with the information, I should be able to. I really was just Googling like ridiculous keywords because I didn't know what to look up. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's insane. His face, it, his eyes change, like almost like they turn into like reptiles' eyes. Yeah, it's, it's one of the wild. That's what I'm saying. Please, somebody explain to me how that happens because yeah, I insane. can't yeah. figure it out. Yeah. So Heather, we, we have something that I make people do at the end of every episode and I okay. apologize in advance. Um, so, uh, like, like life sometimes kind of sucks or people have a lot of stuff going on. And so I make people do, what are you grateful for? Like, even if it's something really tiny, because, you know, there are times in life when things are really hard and it's just like, you can find just one small thing to have some gratitude in and it can change everything. So what is it today uh, or just recently that you're grateful for? Hmm. I love that. Um, I think I'm very grateful that I'm in good health. Because I, you know, as you get older, people will develop health problems. I, I've dealt with this very bizarre bladder condition for about 15 years and I have a mild case of it. It's called interstitial cystitis. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. I've heard of that. Yeah. One of my close friends has it. <gasps> no way. Really? Wow. And it's something that people still don't know about and I'm actually working with a supplement company right now that's creating a line of supplements to treat it. I tested them and everything, and I was in a commercial for them. Um, wow. So I'm going to be doing more with that to raise awareness for it. But it's something that, you know, I got diagnosed with. Well, it took me like years to get diagnosed with it. I had to see like seven different doctors, but it really affects your quality of life. And when you explain it to people, they just can't believe that you deal with it all the time. Like, it's just, they can't, you just can't believe it, you know, because the, the symptoms are obviously like urinary urgency, frequency, PIP all the time. And it constantly feels like there's, it constantly feels like my bladder is on fire and there's something pressing on it. And this never goes away. It really affects your quality of life. And I'm just very thankful that, you know, it still bothers me every day, but I have a way to sort of control it and I don't let it overtake my life. But again, I have a mild case and I always think, you know, what's going to happen if it, if it gets worse, but I'm just thankful that I can live semi-normal and deal with it. Um, so yeah, that's, I'm grateful for that. I've, I've, I've been doing like a lot more research on it for the supplement company. And, um, so yeah, it's just, it was such a weird thing. That's yeah. It's crazy. I could talk about it forever. I'm sorry that you have to deal with that. 
I also deal with invisible chronic pain um, from autoimmune issues. So yeah. I get it. <laughs> and that's really important that um, you're doing something, you know, public about it. And I'm glad that, you know, whatever you're doing now is working for you and hopefully it'll get better. Thanks. Same. I have uh, fibromyalgia. Oh. So when I have flare-ups and people don't seem to really believe that fibromyalgia is a thing, but when I get flare-ups, it feels like my entire body has a migraine mm -hmm. and it's crippling. But, and then I have mini flare-ups where my elbows, my arms feel like they're broken. Like my forearms feel like they they're broken. And it's like, if you can't see it, if you can't see someone with a cast on their leg or something, then you don't, you know what I mean? Um, but the other thing is I was diagnosed two years ago with POTS, which is a heart condition. But mm. I didn't realize until recently that it's also connected to other symptoms that would seem to be unrelated that I've struggled with for years. So I've never understood why my feet get so cold to the point that it is physically intolerable, like it's painful. Mm -hmm. wow. And I, there was a, there's a public figure recently that came out talking about their experience with POTS and they started talking about these other symptoms. And I'm like, that's not what, it, it's just a heart condition. But then I started looking into it properly and I was like, oh, oh my God, this explains like so much. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because fibromyalgia is often a condition that people with IC have. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I am. Um, so did you hang on one second, but yeah. to go back to the POTS thing, did you, I don't know if you saw this, but I feel like there's going to be more research about POTS because, because it's associated with long COVID. Yes. there And specifically female, um, patients who've had COVID seem to be exhibiting it now as something they're getting. So that's Weird. the only yeah. reason, actually, unfortunately, but fortunately, because of COVID and long COVID, that's the only reason I was diagnosed. I've had POTS for well over a decade, and I've had all of these symptoms, and every single cardiologist that I've seen has told me I just have anxiety and that it's all in my head. And then I finally, it took me, it took, um, it took me getting a traumatic brain injury and COVID to see a cardiologist who actually did a stress test, who actually did uh, uh, an ultrasound of my heart and saw firsthand that I had POTS and was able to put the pieces together because of lung COVID and now the studies into it and that people are actually talking about it. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason that I was diagnosed and that now I'm on medication that actually manages it in a healthy way so that yeah. I don't have a heart rate of 140 beats per minute just by standing up to make a cup of tea. Yeah. Um, wow. Who would have thought we would have had this connection? I know. <laughs> I see it's such a, it's such a misunderstood situation that mm -hmm. just, it seems that doctors over here, especially are just. Well, any, especially women's stuff is Oh my God. But that's well, another like, podcast. You're just having anxiety. Just relax. Like, like what's the problem? Wow. Yeah, I love that. Here's a Xanax. You don't I'm look like... sick. Yeah. Ugh. God damn it, motherfuckers. Yeah. Anyway. Um, fuck. We're running out of time. Joy, what are you? I'll be quick. I am glad. I don't know when this is going to stop. I hope it never stops, but I am very glad that my son is still 
totally not embarrassed about screaming, I love you, mom, when I drop him off at school. And like he oh. ran to, I, we had already walked away and dropped him off. He ran through the entire schoolyard just to like put his little lips through the chain link fence and give me another kiss and scream, oh I love you, mom. I love you so much on his way to go into school. So I'm thankful that he does that. And I hope he never stops. <laughs> That's cute. I wish my cat would do that when he went to school. Oh, that cat thinks he's a dog. So if you call, uh, he's a dog. It's a girl. What the fuck am I talking about? What Her else are you Lola. in right now? I'm Extra sorry. daughters, weird. Jesus, <laughs> I'm in a glitch, Joy. Oh Jesus my god, that's Christ. something I would love to talk to you about as well. Put glitches. it on the list. Yeah. But that's the nut. Yeah, put it on the list, Joy. Put it on the list. Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> oh my god, I'm fascinated with glitches. Anyway, um, shit. What am I grateful for? quickly whatever it is it better be quick. i'm so sorry <laughs> um okay i'm the worst at old house my husband like my husband splurged we like this is one of our splurge things he got the sparklets water delivery and it was like amazing because i could have hot water for an instant cup of tea unlike some people joy who microwave their water in a mug for a cup Pardon of tea me. i sorry. broke out the electric kettle okay thank you okay thank you Anywho, so we moved house and our sparklets machine was like, we got to replace it. They have a sparklets machine now that has a Keurig pod thing in it. And so now I can just make a fucking cup of coffee and get a drink of water at the same time so I can stay double hydrated. And I am a, a bougie splurge. That is what I'm grateful for. Oh, man. Very grateful. You guys are so fancy up there I in the know. hills. That's what, mm hmm. <laughs> um, it's just, it, it, this is like such boring middle aged bougie bullshit. It's like, I'm really grateful Sorry. that we have a Keurig and water machine. <laughs> so sad. Anywho. <sighs> Heather, it was wonderful having you on. It yes, was so lovely getting you. to know you and talk to you. And it's just, you're a lovely, human being like you oh. can see it through the screen it's but true. it's always oh. lovely to like they say don't meet your heroes because they can <laughs> i used to work in music and i can <sighs> testify it is very disappointing however <laughs> you are absolutely lovely so thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us and we would really like to have you back if, if... oh thank you it was lovely talking to you guys too I, i'll definitely be back I'll come oh back. thank god joy she likes us oh yeah my god. i was worried thank you okay cool <laughs> i'm like i saw you were wearing a mood ring and i'm like i really hope it's going to change the colors that she likes us like i'm gonna google it while we're chatting it did halfway through the interview. It changed. I just didn't tell you guys. I saw that, but I didn't want to say anything. I was just like, maybe it's a good color. <laughs> it was Thank actually God. just a picture of your face in the mood ring. She was I so mean, happy. That yeah. it was, yeah, I don't want to say anything, but I'm cool with that. It's fine. Um, okay. So, but anyway, <laughs> until next time, sage your sofas and don't be afraid of the dark. But I will. She will. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. Heather, you're on. Thank you, guys. We love you. You have a good night, okay? Thanks. You too. All Maybe right, someday we'll meet in person. Oh my yeah, God, we'll hang out and roller skate in Long Beach. Heck yeah. I'll make you a proper cup of tea, unlike some people. Sounds good. I'm down. I'm down. All right, my love. All have right. a lovely evening. All right. Thank you, guys. Okay. Bye.
haunted sex dungeon. You know, that sounds amazing. 